Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, we have a Q&A on deck with Coach Alex, who's a part of the Lost and Lifting team, who a lot of you have gotten to know lately, and we're doing these Q&As every other week together. So we've got him back on the show today. I, we have got four questions here that we're going to go over. Um, as always, though, we've had four questions every time that we've come on the show, and every single time we've only ended up answering three of them. So we'll just see how the time frame goes with them. Most likely, we'll end up answering three questions. If we have a little bit of extra time, we'll end up answering that fourth question for you guys, too. But um, those questions have all come through on Instagram stories, where I do a Q&A every single Sunday. So if you're not following along there, make sure to go down below and you can follow along to Instagram to be able to ask questions. There's also a place at the bottom of this um, recording. If you scroll down, there will be a spot that says lostandlifting.com backslash podcast. And that's actually somewhere where you can go and ask any specific questions that you might have around your own training, your own nutrition. Maybe we bring up something on the podcast when we're answering some of these questions or diving into a topic that you have a deeper question on for yourself, or that's just more tailored to your specific situation. You, as I said, you can go down below, click on lostlifting.com backslash podcast, leave those questions there. As you scroll down, you'll see a form, leave those questions there. And those will come directly to my inbox. And I'll always make sure to get back to all of those emails. I love to answer your guys' questions um, to help you out as much as we can. That is the, the main purpose of this show is just to give you as much value as possible. And as you all know, we do not do any sponsorships or anything like that here as well. All that we ask for is if you are finding value from the show, if you're taking tips from here and you're applying them and they're helping you, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you go down below and leave the show a star rating as well as a written review. That's just the one way inside of Apple for the show to continue to increase in terms of its ranks to be able to um, reach more listeners, which allows us to keep producing over the long call. So that's my little spiel for you all as we get started here. Alex, how are things going for you, man? They are going well. I just got back from vacation. So it's kind of like a time of just having like a suitcase full of clothes and everything's kind of like all over the place. And now it's, today's kind of my day of just organizing everything and kind of getting it back to normal routine. Absolutely. Um, I was we, right when we hopped on here before we started recording, I wanted to hear all about, about your trip. You went to the Olympia and I, I stopped you before you got into any stories because I, if I wanted to save it for the podcast so we could have that conversation here instead, but, but you went to the Olympia over the weekend, which I'm honestly super jealous of. I've always wanted to go. And when I moved to St. George just this year, um, the Olympia has always been in Vegas. Right. And so like, mm -hmm. it was, it was my plan. Like, Oh, that's going to be super easy. I can just jump down there for a day or two and go to it. But they moved it to Florida. Was it in Florida? Yeah, Orlando. Orlando. Cool. How how was that whole experience? It was good. So it was an expo that I'd always kind of wanted to go to. So me and my friends started off going to the Arnold Expo, I want to say in like 2017. And we had always wanted to save 
the Olympia for when we were 21, because like it being in Vegas, we just wanted to like be able to actually enjoy the full experience. And as you said, like this was the year, I think they moved it last year actually to, I don't know if it was in Vegas last year either, but I know last year was a whole mess with COVID. And so this was finally the year that, you know, well, what, like one, we're both over like 21 and it had been after like COVID. And the nice thing is, was, so he's coming out of the military and they actually give you uh, two free tickets to both the Friday evening show, as well as the Saturday evening show, if you can show up military ID. And so this is his, or it was his last uh, few months before his uh, military ID expires. So we actually ended up getting the free tickets to the Friday evening show and Saturday evening show and just got free access to that. They have the meet and greet, which is super cool. And then so all we really had to do was just pay for our, you know, Airbnb and then fly it down there. But the, the, the final shows end up costing you just as much as like the hotel stay would cost you. So it was a nice little chunk out of the chunk to save. So sure. it was good. Like I said, this is something that we've been trying to do for a few years. And this is kind of like our, you know, year of getting the free tickets before, you know, we'd have to pay the, I don't know, I don't even know how much they go for. I saw them on StubHub for $500, $600 for the Saturday amazing. evening show. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's crazy. I didn't realize it was that expensive either. Who, so did you get to watch like the, so first for anybody that's listening to this, if you're wondering what the heck's the Olympia, what is he talking about? It's basically just the biggest fitness expo of the year it's like the biggest bodybuilding show of the year for like pro bodybuilders it's like the super bowl of bodybuilding essentially and then they just have a big expo around that so like they have the actual like bodybuilding shows and then during the daytime like they have a ton of booths set up to where there's like a ton of like social media influencers and and big fitness brands and stuff for there so like you can go around and meet everybody and like just kind of be a part of the whole like online fitness slash business community, um, the fitness industry, I guess. So that's what the Olympia is. If you guys are wondering like, well, what the heck is he talking about? What's, what's the Olympia anyway? It's like where all the supplement company goes, the, the people that are sponsored by the supplement companies, like just everybody and anybody who's a part of the fitness industry, the majority are at all like meet up at this one place once per year. So that's, um, that's what it is. How was the actual show? Like getting to see, did you, were you guys in the place like did you get to see the classics and then like the the open and all of the different um categories yeah so they have friday morning show a friday evening show a saturday morning show and um saturday evening show i'm trying to see if i can find we didn't get to see every single thing um let me see I don't think I can pull up the schedule. We saw the, the women's fitness. We saw the women's bodybuilding finals. Um, we saw the, uh, let me see, men's open or the men, like men's Olympia um, pre-judging. We saw the 212 finals. We saw the bikini finals, the Olympia finals the physique men's physique finals and then we saw the, i think there's like one more thing but we got to see about eight or nine different you know, classic divisions yeah we yeah classic was in there too yeah who um i just went brain dead on um the heck's his name chris bumstead, bumstead. yeah chris yeah. he won again right yeah yeah that's third, yeah third time in a row it's i think 
he kind of just like he went to that show just kind of like knowing that he would win you could just kind of like, like tell like off the smirk on his face like just kind of when he was going through his like posing it's kind of like i know i'm gonna win but he looked absolutely like insane on that stage yeah i've always i'm a i'm a low-key fan of him. I've, I've always thought that he was super cool he's just seems like a super chill dude and he's freaking i mean he's jacked he looks incredible but that's cool what about the open how have you seen those types of guys before in real life because they're ridiculous right yeah Just so the pure size have you ever seen like well i guess you'd gone to the expos previously in ohio huh? yes Arnold yeah, so, so you had seen them so i'd i'd gone to the arnold expo so i'd seen some or a lot of those bigger dudes um especially well, one of the guys that i met was rich piana so i've met probably like oh. the biggest of the big um but it's crazy seeing them just in real person like on the stage and like you realize like just how truly like massive they are yeah it's insane would you ever want to be that big no i don't i, I don't <laughs> think i could handle it i feel like I'd, I'd be like i'd be out of breath to sit here talking to you yeah yeah for me like there's no way i just want to be fit and i want to be in good shape and i want to feel good but like it's cool and it's super admirable but what they have to put their bodies through in order to get to that spot like man it's just, it's not very healthy. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say it's, it's one of those things that like, I find very impressive is because I think a lot of people just think like, Oh, like steroids. Oh, like, like they're cheating, but it's like, it still takes a hell of a lot of work to get to the point like oh. where they're at. It's like, even though, yeah, like, yeah, they are on steroids, the level that they get to it's, you know, top 1% in the entire world. So yeah. No, I would agree. The work ethic, like it's their entire lives, right? Like, yeah, they take steroids to be able to get to that size, but still to be able to get to that size and like the look the way that they look, their lives have to be so regimented in every single aspect down to sleep, mm -hmm. down to, it's not even at that point necessarily just like about macros and calories anymore. It's about the exact vitamins, the exact minerals that you're putting into your body. Like there's just so much that goes into it at the end of the day that yeah, the work ethic of those guys is, is ridiculous. Plus you have to have some of the best genetics in the world as well, which mm -hmm. is like something you're just, just, just God given, right? Like you don't get to choose that piece of it. So like they are truly the, the rare of the rare, and it's definitely something to be respected, but it's, it's definitely not something. Yeah. Like I said, that, that I would want to go down that path by, by yeah. any means, but it is super cool. And it is super admirable. I've always been into the shows who won the open. Uh, big Rami. Oh, he did. Yeah. So did he so win it, it last year? Yeah. So he won it last year. It was between him and Brandon Curry. And so I think during the morning show, it looked pretty close. Like I probably would have, I, I wasn't at the morning show. So it's, it's different seeing it like on the live stream compared to like actually like in person. Like, I think you just see this, like the actual detail of each person yeah. more like I was like in person. But based off what I saw just online from the morning show, I would have given it probably to Brandon or it would have been really, really close. And then Rami, I think, tightened up a lot for the evening show and which kind of pulled him ahead for that win. But, you know, it, it was I think Brandon's won it once and then Rami's won it once. And so then during the finals, they were like in two times, you know, Mr. Olympia. So it could have been either one. And Ron, Rami ended up pulling that out. But he's he's a mass monster. Yeah, he'll probably be the one that like the Phil Heath run, I would say that was like five or six in a row back in the day. I feel mm -hmm. like Rami will probably take that over now. And that will be the new expectation. Like you have to have that level of detail as well as 
that level of mass to continue winning. Like that kind of sets the expectation. Do you know what I mean? And now mm-hmm. I'll bet you'll see, I mean, I don't have any idea, but that, that would be my prediction. I bet you'll see him kind of like dominate it for the next while. That's how it always seems to happen in like the open bodybuilding is there's generally like one person that dominates for a decent amount of time until like the standard changes or that person finally ends up slipping up and then somebody else kind of takes over and will start to dominate for a little bit of time too. Like just with my little bit of knowledge into the history of it and looking back and, and getting a better understanding of, of men's bodybuilding, that's kind of seen what the trends look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll say for, for him, it's just that size. Like I said, that, that dominates people because especially because he has very good control. I'm sure you've seen the guys who, you know, are 280, 300 pounds, but then can't control their gut whatsoever on stage. Mm-hmm. He actually has very good control, I'd say, of this, you know, each little different body part. And so, you know, you look at a guy like, if anyone on here knows any of the, like Mr. Olympias, but. Probably not. I would imagine most, most don't. There was, there was, do you know, do you know Hadi Chopin or Hadi Chopin? Heard the name before? Um, he's, he's not the guy, the shorter dude that was in like the, the 220 class, was he? I think he came from two, I think he came from like that 212, but he's shorter. He always wins like the, he wins the he from like People's Iran? Choice Award, or like the like the People's Choice Award or, or, Award or whatever. But he comes in crazy conditioned and like has good size on him, but just loses it because the, you know, the guys next to him, they just have that power over him of this yeah. overall size. So when you look at him, he's probably the, the, the most conditioned guy on that stage, but you know, he doesn't have, doesn't have the genetics to, you know, overpower Rami or overpower Brandon Curry just because just, he's is he the dude from Iran. Is it Iran? Or yeah. Like somewhere in the middle. Of, I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. And he couldn't come over for a couple of years because of like something with like yeah. being able to get into the country because of the country that he was from. Is that, mm-hmm. is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, anyway, no, that's all super cool, man. We can, I could sit and talk about the bodybuilding stuff forever. It's something that I low key. am just a fan of, but, um, I don't think the majority of our listeners care too, too much about that. So let's hop into a few questions here. If you're ready, I'm ready. Number one is, do I really have to count my calories and weigh every single meal in order to be able to lose body fat do you have to no does it help and is it beneficial i would argue yes um given the if it's something that fits you know your current lifestyle if you're at a point where it's gonna like drive you absolutely insane to you know track every bit of food if you're already stressed from a lot of other things like there are different ways that i do go through coaching nutrition with like with my clients like there's one client um, specifically that like, you know, we're just at a point where now, so I mean, she's been doing it for tracking for a few months and she's kind of at a point where it's like, we're just not going to track for a few weeks and, and just see how it goes. And just simply taking away the scale where she's just like, my stress feels like it's gone from like a hundred, just, you know, and just infinite or just exponentially like decreased down. And so what we kind of have her do and kind of something that I do with myself, if I'm not so it's essentially what you're trying to do when you're losing fat is you just want to essentially like eat less than your body burns in a day to like to put it very like simply. And so with counting calories, it's easy because you know exactly how much you're eating on a day-to-day basis. 
and you can subtract say 200, 300 calories from that and you, and you know, okay, I'm eating less, but it's harder, harder to do that when you're not tracking your food because people just tend to like very, they tend to underestimate how much they truly eat because they're eating, you know, different things every day or just eating, you know, snack here, snack there, meal here. But one thing that I personally love to do is I eat a lot of the same foods. So if I, for example, buy a two pound thing of like ground turkey, I know that usually fits in about three to four meals for me or like three to four days. So what I would do is if I want to decrease calories without actually like weighing the food or tracking it, I can make that same two pound case of turkey last me five or six days instead of three or four. If I have a pack of rice that I usually have the entire packet with one sitting, I will make that same pack of rice last over two or three meals. And so that way I'm not counting the calories, but I know what I was eating like in one day, I am now spreading across two or three days. So there's a lot of different like portion size methods, plate size methods, all these different things, but they all have the same end goal in mind and that's to somehow decrease calories. And I think counting calories is expedites that process of just accuracy, knowing how much you're doing, but it is totally possible to lose fat without having to weigh and track every single bit of food. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I think that, do you have to count your calories and weigh out all of your foods in order to lose weight? Um, absolutely not. Like for a lot of people, like if you're brand new to this and you have some weight to lose, like there are particular nutritional, like foundational principles that I would say are more important than just counting your calories. I think you can get down the loophole of both and you just have to be careful. So if you're paying attention to, in each of your meals, if you don't want to count calories right off the bat, what I would say is, okay, well, you need to look at your day to day, like, cause you're not just going to be able to wing it and eat whatever you want and still be able to lose weight without counting calories. That's one of the beneficial things of counting calories is it allows you a lot more flexibility in the foods that you're choosing because you're actively controlling the calorie count. And so you can kind of manipulate things, but when you get away from that, and if you don't want to track, you're going to have to be a lot more regimented in terms of following some sort of a meal plan that's not going to be super sustainable long-term in my opinion, because life is going to happen and we're going to need to be able to have some flexibility in our day-to-day, which makes counting calories a little bit easier or more maintainable. Um, but it can absolutely be done. You're just going to have to be more regimented. As Alex said, you can decrease portions, pay really close attention to portions, make sure that every single one of your meals is based around a solid lean protein source. You've got a vegetable source there, um, as well as like some sort of a, a carb source. And you're trying to keep your fats relatively low because your fats are one of the things that can spike the, the easiest, which is going to increase your calories the fastest in most scenarios. So you can absolutely do it. But if you want to get to your goal in the most efficient manner possible, I would say just sounds rude, but sucking it up and learning how to count your calories for a decent three, three months to honestly 12 months of really putting in the time to understanding how to count calories, understanding certain portions of weighing them out and seeing it for yourself time and time again is what puts you in a position to where you don't have to count calories long-term because you've invested that time into counting to be able to get to a point to where you can just start to count in more of an intuitive manner in your head, which makes things so much easier long-term. Like for myself, I'm not actively counting calories. Um, 
as much these days because I counted calories every single day for the matter of five to eight years. I was counting very religiously. Now, whenever I put myself into a deficit of calories, I'm still tracking my calories, obviously during that time, just to make sure the precision is there. So I'm maximizing my efforts. But when I get back to a maintenance or into a slight surplus, whatever it may be, I'm not necessarily tracking anymore in an app or weighing everything out. I'm just doing it more intuitively and allowing the scale to guide me over the long term. But that's a skill that you build from tracking your calories first and foremost. And another thing that you have to understand here is if you go ahead and learn to lose weight without tracking calories, that's great, but you have to understand the mechanisms of the metabolism too. And you have to understand that the metabolism is, is adaptive. And so as you decrease calories and you start to lose weight, if you're tracking, well, now to be able to get back up to a maintenance, as you continue to decrease calories, what's going to happen is your hunger levels are going to start to get higher. Your energy levels are going to start to potentially get a little bit lower. Um, your recovery is going to get a little bit worse over time. This is just the part of eating less calories than your body burns, as well as you'll be losing body fat during this time. Well, if we're tracking, then we can actively bring you back up to a maintenance level of calories while being able to pay attention to your biofeedback, your hunger, your recovery, your energy, your mood, all that kind of stuff to get you back to a maintenance and sustaining the result that you created on those higher calories to recover that biofeedback, to get your hunger down, your energy up, your recovery better, your training going better. And then from there, go into more of an intuitive manner. But if you lose all of the weight without tracking nine times out of 10, it's very hard to understand how to get yourself back to a maintenance and you'll end up eating more than you anticipated after the diet ended up putting the weight back on because you weren't controlling that variable of understanding the caloric intake and the, and what happens to your, your metabolic rate and your hormones as you're dieting down. So I'm a huge proponent or just a huge promoter of tracking, at least for a decent amount of time. Obviously it's not something that you have to do forever. And I don't think that you should do it forever because it can get very stressful and take up a lot of time and, and just bog you down, but spending some time to invest into learning that skill will set you up for a lifetime of not having to do it while still being successful. I, I agree. I think it's something that, I mean, nearly every single client that comes in, I take through at least a period of tracking calories and just seeing, and it's every single person that comes in, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize like just how much or just how little, like I was truly eating on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. And I think it's something that everyone can learn a bit from. And a lot of those people you see preaching intuitive eating are also the same people who's, who have spent the last 10 years tracking calories and now they know how to intuitively eat because they took the time to track calories, you know, to track the macros and track the calories. I don't think anyone just, just like wakes up one day and it's like magically just like knows exactly how to fill the plate with the right amount of protein, carbs, fats, you know, reverse diet out of a deficit, maintain, you know, maintain surplus that comes from years and years of experience of using a scale and tracking the food and getting to know like how your body ultimately responds. Yeah. 100%. I couldn't agree anymore. I think that. Let's move on to the next question. Um, I lost my period while in a calorie deficit. Please help. This one's more. That sounds right alley. up your alley, Chaz. Sounds like, sounds like it's right up your alley. Honestly, this is a lot of what Alex specializes in with the clients that come in and work with us is a lot of um, ladies just with hormonal issues or downregulated hormones and different things like that. He he's taken a lot of courses and, and specialized in a lot of this stuff. So I'll let you start with it, man. All right. So I think the most important thing to understand when you lose your cycle, 
it's going to be from some sort of stress response within the body. You have too much stress coming from any area of life. That could be lifestyle. It could be training. It could be nutrition. It could be work stress, family stress, relationship stress. There's anything like mental, physical, emotional, like any sort of stress. You have a stress bucket. It keeps compiling up. The more that goes in there, the more, I guess, kind of like nutrients your body needs or the more energy is going to spend trying to keep your body at essentially like homeostasis. And so if that overflows, it's going to essentially put your sex hormones on the back burner because it needs to allocate those nutrients towards different parts of the body. And so if this, like the easiest way to, I can kind of explain this is, you know, your body doesn't know stress from being chased by like a dog or stress from under training or, you know, or like overtraining or under eating, whatever it is, it is no stress. And so if you're a female and your job is to, or, you know, you have the ability to, you know, birth a child, ovulate, but all it senses is stress, 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 it's going to say to itself, okay, why would I want to have a kid or run the risk of having a kid? if all I sense is stress, stress, stress all day long. And when you bring those stress levels back down, that's when you can then allocate the nutrients back in and get those hormones back in a good spot to where your body says, hey, I am now comfortable, comfortable ovulating. I am now comfortable to, you know, carrying a child in me for, you know, nine months. I am now comfortable enough to, you know, birth a child and make sure that I have the nutrients to support and feed that child in growing up and making sure that I get it to a point where, it can comfortably survive. And so some things that I always look at first is one, just overall stress management, this anywhere in your life. And so that looks like, you know, spending time out of a calorie deficit. It looks like bringing training intensity and frequency down, focus in, focusing on overall this, not just macronutrients, but also like the micronutrients. So what that is is like the vitamins and minerals that you get from your food. So the micronutrients from your food. So making sure that you're getting your proteins, your vegetables, your fiber, your fruit, all different things. Um, looking at your sleep, I know, are you averaging seven, eight plus hours of sleep a night? Um, a big thing that a lot of people don't look at too is also what we call, have you heard of xenoestrogens before? No, I don't think so. So it's essentially a form that like it's, so it has the word xenoestrogen in there. It's essentially a, a form of estrogen that, or it, it mimics estrogen in the body, but it's an endocrine disruptor. So things like household items, uh, like personal care items, like makeup, all that stuff, like shampoo, conditioner, all those things, a lot of the fragrances and like parabens and stuff they put in those products can be disruptive to your body's endocrine system. So if you're- if you're wearing makeup every single day, if you have, you know, all these like personal, like uh, household items that you're, you know, spraying around all day, like dryer sheets, all those different things, those can accumulate or even things like, you know, microwaving and plastic, you know, it's all, all that stress adds up together. And this essentially is too much for the body at that given point in time. So it comes down to taking a look at all those different areas and seeing where can I lower my stress from to then ultimately get myself back up to a point where my body feels safe and comfortable enough to start ovulating again and to start, you know, potentially birthing a child at some point. 
Yeah, I think that you gave that a way better answer than I honestly would have, because I would have looked at it just from the nutrition and, and training standpoint, but you bring up a, a really, really good point in terms of stress is stress, right? Like mm -hmm. your body understands stress from, if you're eating in a calorie deficit, that you have to understand that is a stress on your body. You're actively feeding yourself less energy than you're expending each day, which your body is going to um, see that as a minor stress response. That's just a part of the process. For a lot of people, it can lead to better health in the long term. But for some people, being in a deficit, dependent upon the stage of your life and everything you have going on, could be something that leads to worse health in the long term. Like it sounds like it is for this particular person who answered, who asked this question. Um, and so you have to take that into consideration as well as the rest of your lifestyle factors. Are you taking, what does your work schedule look like? What does your life look like in general? Are you just taking care of yourself, right? Are you meditating? Are you journaling? Are you taking some time like away just to focus on um, things that are going to allow you just to be able to relax and allow your mind to be able to calm down? And if you're not doing any of that stuff and your life is super stressful and you have a ton going on, and you try to throw yourself in a calorie deficit as well, well, chances are just as, as happened to this person, like as a, a lady, you can't potentially end up losing your cycle because there's way too much stress coming into your life. And one of the bet the, one of the quickest things that you could do in this position, we have a lot of ladies that come in. I have a few girls I'm working with right now that come in who had dieted for so long that they had lost their cycle. Like the honest answer here is the last thing that before you can go back and continue focusing on fat loss again, you're going to have to learn how to start focusing on optimizing your health and homeostasis first and foremost, which is going to come down to one, taking yourself out of a calorie deficit and forgetting about fat loss for a little while. You're going to have to learn how to eat more food, accept where your body weight is at, be okay with it and understand that you've got to make the investment into investing into your overall health, as opposed to just investing into what your body looks like in the next two to three months to put yourself in a position to be able to get back to focusing on losing body fat again in the future. So you're going to have to take some time, eat out of maintenance. And that doesn't just mean, oh, I'm eating out of maintenance. Now I can kind of get back to eating whatever I want again, which I'm super guilty of this too. And I get back to a maintenance or, or surplus and start throwing in more sugars, more cereals, all that kind of stuff. But you're going to want to overload your body with nutrients, right? You're going to want lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, lots of lean proteins, looking at maybe what you're deficient in, even maybe getting some, some labs done and just seeing where, where you're deficient potentially and, and supplementing with some different types of uh, vitamins and, and minerals that, that your body may be deficient in, which can help bring yourself back to a, a ground level of homeostasis. And then as you've taken three, six, nine, maybe even 12 months at really optimizing this part of your life and optimizing your stress management and optimizing your overall health, now you're in a position to be able to put yourself back into a deficit and move forward. But we have to remember, and what happens to a lot of people especially ladies that, that we've experienced is that they come in and they've been dieting for the last 12 months. They haven't really gotten to their overall goal inside of the diet, but their hormones are just wrecked. Their period is gone. Their stress is super high. And they're in this positions where they still have this fat they want to lose. They feel like they've been working so hard and they come in and start to work with us. And we tell them, well, you're gonna have to take some time away from focusing on fat loss to put yourself in a position to continue losing fat in the future. And that's a hard pill to have to swallow. But it's the real truth. And as a place of 
coming from integrity as a coach, if, if you go to work with somebody and you've been dying for the last 12 months, you've lost your period and, and you get on a phone call and talk with somebody and they're like, oh yeah, we can, we can get you losing fat and you can be where you want to be in the next three to six months. If you're already in that tough position, overstressed position without your period, like sad to say, but they, they, they're just hungry for more clients and they're not telling what you, what you really need to hear to set yourself up in a position to be successful over the long term. They're only going to help you run yourself into the ground further and further. So that's something that you really have to, to take into consideration. I think the way that Alex explained that makes a lot of sense. It's not necessarily the exact route that I would have went about explaining it. Um, but again, he specializes in that kind of stuff so he can go a little bit deeper than I can. So um, no, man, I, I think that you know that. Would you add anything to that? Or would you say that pretty much sums it up? There was two things that you said. Um, first thing is one that I think a lot of people tend to overlook. And you mentioned, you, you said the word, accept where your body's currently at. And when you said earlier, like stress is stress, something a lot of people tend to overlook is the words that you tell yourself every single day if you're trying to change your body or like fix something out of a place of hate, you're just causing more and more mental stress, which, I mean, it sounds kind of like woo woo to a lot of people like, Oh, like, you know, my brain doesn't like know what I'm thinking, but it's like just simply believing that you can like, honestly, like fix your body. I'm almost this more. So I kind of like just heal your body or kind of get it back to a good spot. Just changing like out of a place of love instead of like, you know, I'm doing this because I love my body, not because like I hate my body. Like that goes a really long way. And the second thing you mentioned running labs, I'm actually doing this with a client right now. And it's super important to know if you are going to be supplementing with things, which I would, you know, if, if you lost your cycle and you have the money to, you know, put towards um, some, you know, blood work or lab work, it makes things a lot simpler because you can personalize things down to your own scenario and like your own individual case in supplement based off of that instead of like the last thing you want to do is just throw random things at it that may end up making it worse down the road so yeah training nutrition you know making sure you're getting healthy nutrients and just bringing like really stress down in any sort of way that you can you know physical mental emotional spiritual like any sort of stress that's coming in your life looking at that and figuring out how can i bring these levels down and it's not going to be a one month two month fix it's going to take three months, six months, nine months, even that, you know, even up to a year and it might come along with, you know, some weight gain. Yeah. I, I love that point that you brought up there too. I actually made a post on that just a little while ago, just talking about the understanding of so many of us start to fuel our passion for fitness out of a place of hate for where we're currently at or fear of where we're currently at, as opposed to looking at this from more of a place of like, loving and appreciating and being grateful for our bodies we're doing it out of despise and hate and fear of our bodies which is a fuel that can get us started and it, it gets a lot of people started it, it got me started back in the day and this whole thing as well but you're never going to truly sustain a result or create a long-term habit with fitness until you start to shift that perspective. If you, you have to be aware enough to realize, am I doing this out of a place of love for myself or out of a place of hate or fear of myself? And ask that question to yourself. You really like sit down, ask yourself, where is your fuel coming from? And if it's coming from hate and if it's coming from fear, that's something that you need to face because nine out of 10 times, if you're doing it out of hate for yourself, that 
at some point that hate is going to lead to self-sabotage, right? At some point, it's not going to feel worth it because you hate yourself anyway. So why would you keep putting in this effort that you don't like to do that's going to benefit you if you're doing it from hate? Like, well, I might as well just say screw it all together anyway and just say whatever and stop on myself. Um, again, it can be a, a good starter to get you going but you have to really ask yourself that question and then start to try to make that transition to doing this out of gratitude and out of love and realizing this is a lifelong commitment. If I really want to sustain these results long-term and have a body that I can feel good in, that's good for myself, that's good for my kids, that's good for my grandkids, that's not breaking down when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, you have to start creating that fuel from that place of passion and love and empathy for yourself. And when you start to do that, everything in your life can change. Your perspective on life can change just from that one little seed planted in your fitness journey, which is extremely powerful and something that we could go down the rabbit hole on talking about. But um, what Alex said there, I think is a really good point for you to think about. Are you doing this from a place of hate and fear or are you doing this from a place of love and empathy and acceptance? And if it's from hate and fear, something that needs to start to be worked on. It's something that you need to start thinking through that process for yourself, maybe going and seeing a therapist or just at least being aware of it to start with, to get a good understanding of you and where that fuel is coming from so that you don't end up in that position of, of sabotage down the road. So um, I love that, man. I think that that's a super important point to bring up. Ready for third question? Moving on. Third, and this will be the final question for the day. We're not going to do the fourth question again. I, so here we go. Can you explain the benefits of reverse dieting and how it might cause weight gain? Benefits of reverse dieting. I think this kind of ties in greatly with the previous question. So something to think about as you diet down, as you mentioned, you mentioned this earlier, Dieting down, lowering calories is a stress on the body. So the longer you diet, the more stress you're accumulating over time, which is going to lead to metabolic adaptations, hormonal adaptations, but also changes in, you know, your sleep, the hunger, which we, we brought up this model before, but like your, your shreds. So your sleep, your hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, and like stress management that is all affected through dieting. So if you're just worried about just losing weight this month, you know, month after month, year after year, not only are you causing, you know, adaptations metabolically and hormonally, but you're probably also not feeling the greatest in your day-to-day -day life. Hence why, you know, we go through re uh, reverse diet periods. So you don't have to spend each and every single year at a low calorie amount. We can bring you back up to a maintenance and not only take stress off the body, but the results there are a lot more maintainable long-term than it is spending, like I said, every single month or every single year, just trying to like diet down and it gives your body time to take the stress off from dieting, to bring, you know, the, the metabolism back up, to bring, you know, hormones back, your, your hormones back to kind of more of like a homeostasis or, you know, kind of more of a balance and just to bring your overall, this day-to-day -day life back to a you know place where you can sleep through the night a you know a spot where you're not having energy crashes you know every single day at like noon a spot where you know you're not just thinking about food 24 7 like oh like what's my next meal when can i eat again what can i get from this restaurant 
um, digestion, just like, you know, having that in a good spot and like all the different things, it helps regulate that. And to answer the question as to like why you gain weight, it's you're simply eating more food. So you have one, it's like this more food sitting in your um, body throughout the day. But two, you are also this with the increasing carbs, you're also going to be holding extra glycogen in your liver and your muscles, which is going to add a little bit of water retention and not water retention as it, as in like, like, Oh, I feel so bloated, but just your body's going to be holding physically more water inside. So you're going to, you know, have more, more weight gain there. Is everyone going to gain weight through reverse diet? No, but is it totally normal? Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Like to, to hit on the, the, how it might cause weight gain is simply like, if you're eating in a deficit of calories, right. And you're at the very end of your deficit, like one, you're probably not going to be retaining a, a lot of glycogen in your muscle stores because carbs are going to be a decent amount lower. Um, you're not gonna have as much food in your digestive system and, and you're not probably going to be having quite as high of a sodium intake either, right? Just because calories are going to be lower. And so if we get you from eating in a deficit, let's say your defi- the deficit was around like 1500 calories. If through that reverse diet, we get you back up to 2000 calories. Let's say at the end of the deficit, you're 130 pounds at like at the 1500 calories at the very end, uh, you're 130 pounds. And then we get you back to the 2000 calories through the reverse diet. Well, maybe now you weigh like 131 to 133 pounds. Again, one, you're going to be eating more sodium through the day, which is going to cause more water retention in the body just in general. It's just a part of the process. Two, you're going to have more glycogen um, in your muscle stores. It's going to be weighing, lead to weighing a little bit more. And three, um, as Alex said, you're going to have a little bit more food in your digestive system more consistently, which is going to have you weighing a little bit more as well. So you'll most, as long as you don't exceed your maintenance level of calories and end up in a surplus of calories, you're going to be just as lean at that 131 to 133 as you were at that 130. And I would almost argue that you might even look a little bit leaner at the 131 to 133 at the end of the reverse diet, just because you are going to have more glycogen in the muscle stores, which is going to have you looking a little bit fuller, which is going to have your skin a little bit tighter sitting on top of your muscles if you have a little bit of muscle definition already. So fearing a little bit of weight gain because of a reverse diet um, is a bit silly when you think about it that way. That means you're probably far, far too focused and fixated on tying your worth to a specific number on the scale, as opposed to understanding how your body actually works and why or why not you may gain weight in specific situations. So as Alex said, I think that's a super important, important point to bring up and the benefits of, of reverse dieting, like Alex just said, like at the end of the day, you can call it reverse dieting. You can call it um, a recovery diet. You can call it whatever you want. I don't think that like there's anything super special about a a reverse diet or like it speeds up your metabolism um, like magically or anything like that. The the goal of the reverse diet is just to get you back to a maintenance level of calories and optimize your maintenance level of calories. So typically like 
when I reverse diet somebody, the, the first initial increase is generally somewhere between like 250 to 350 calories. If I know their maintenance is probably like roughly five, four to 600 calories above where we've been in the deficit. And then from there on a week to week basis, we just slowly continue to increase calories after that initial bump of 250 to three, 400 calories. Then it's an additional bump of 50 to hundred calories on a weekly basis, just to see how their body continues to respond, see how their biofeedback responds with recovery, with energy, with hunger, until we get them back up to where roughly their maintenance would be. And if biofeedback is in a really good place, then we just continue to sit there and allow them to fully recover as they've gained a little bit of that weight, like we touched on beforehand. Um, and that's basically how it works. Some people biofeedback may not get better because maybe they got too lean. And so for them to get their biofeedback in a better position in terms of their recovery, their energy, their hunger levels, if you got too lean without enough body fat on your body, your hormones can be out of whack, stay out of whack, right? You can stay down regulated. So for some people just to feel better, like especially people who do competitions and stuff, like they don't live their life in that, that low of a level of body fat percentage, right? Because your hormones are just tanked. And so some people to feel better will have to maybe put a little bit of body fat back on to be able to optimize homeostasis and get into that, that better position. But again, that's just going to be on a very one-to-one basis dependent upon the situation and context of, of that specific person. So, so yeah, would you have anything to add to that? Or does that pretty much cover it? One, one, one of my favorite things, I think is about the reverse dieting thing in general is simply just having clients see that they can gain or that, that, that they can eat more food without the scale weight completely blowing up. One of the things that I see over and over again on you know, what were your key takeaways from this week? You know, what went well? I see it probably every single week, if not like every other, every other week. It's this like, oh my gosh, like I'm eating more food and I'm not like blowing up like I thought I would. And just seeing people just like kind of realize like I don't need to live my life at this super low calorie number forever and ever. Like I can eat more food if I'm doing it the right way. Like you said, maintain, you know, one, two, three pounds above, you know, their leanest they're feeling better. And there's like, I didn't want to do this on my own. Cause like, I wasn't sure like how my body re- would respond, but having someone to just kind of walk you through and just kind of just be like the eyes over. It's just like going through that process. I think you can realize just, like just how much you can truly eat and not have to restrict and still be, you know, in a good spot, body composition wise and not just like totally blow yourself over. Yeah. I would agree 100%. If you're going into a a diet or a deficit and you don't have a plan to get back to a maintenance level of calories, like you're selling yourself short, right? You're not completing the diet. And that's where so many people go wrong is, is there's so much content online about calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit to where, and I made this mistake for years on top of years of thinking that you're just going to be stuck eating low calories forever if you want to maintain this body composition. But the fact of the matter is the calorie deficit is just one piece to the puzzle right? We put ourselves into the deficit to drop body fat, uh, to get ourselves to, to that level of leanness that, that we might desire. But then to sustain that long term, you don't have to continue eating the same amount of calories that you, that you ate to get to that level. You have to optimize your metabolic rate, your hormones, and your maintenance by increasing calories through that reverse diet to allow yourself to eat more, have more flexibility, and get yourself into a position to where you're feeling good physically while looking the way that you want 
as well. And there's that fine balance there. What happens with so many people is the yo-yo diet. They'll try to eat as little as calories as possible for as long as possible, or go on random diets, like a keto diet or, or whatever it may be and lose a bunch of weight. But then they realize, oh, this sucks. Like I, I haven't learned, understood learned about the metabolism or my hormones or how any of this really works. And so then from there, it's like, ah, oh, well, screw this. Like this doesn't work for me. And, and then hunger is super high. Energy is super low. And the first thing that they go to is food and start eating and just put all of that weight back on that they lost because they didn't understand or learn the, the principles that are underlying to what's going to affect body composition in the long run. So I think at the end of the day, education is key. When it comes to this, if you're not educating yourself and learning the why and understanding the science behind body composition changes, you're probably not ever going to create a result long term for yourself that you're going to be able to sustain confidently. So I think that that's that's super important. But like I said, um, that's the last question that we're going to get into today. So, Alex, I really appreciate you coming back on, man, as as we've talked about, Alex is going to come on bi-weekly to do Q&A. So if you guys have questions, go down below, lostlifting.com backslash podcast, leave your questions there or on Sundays on my personal Instagram at Chess Backman. I always do a Q&A there to where you can ask your questions and we'll bring some of those questions onto the podcast as well. But if people want to be able to follow along to you as well, Alex, where would they be able to do that? Instagram, that's my name, Alex underscore Johansson, A-L-E-X underscore J-O-H-A-N-N-S-S-O-N. Perfect. We will link that down below as well. Once again, Alex, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you, all of you for tuning in and listening to today's show. And we will talk with you soon.